Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Vinicius, what a touch it was, and what a save, Ramiro! Welcome to our match day recap. It's La Liga Lowdown. I'm your host, Matt Clark. I'm delighted to be joined by Tom Harris. How are you, Tom? Really good. Thank you, Matt. Just fresh off watching that Real Madrid, Real Sociedad and, and watching Vinicius Junior just have uh, an unbelievable... Like, I can't describe that game. It was incredible, wasn't it? <laughs> really good for a nil-nil, yeah. Um, you may look at it on paper and think, oh, pretty boring day. Only three goals in the entire day. But actually, all the games were pretty intriguing. So we'll get into that soon. Let's quickly roll through the results because we have reached the halfway point in the season, match day 19. We still have a few games uh, postponed from the Supercopa and uh, one more game on Monday night. But from the weekend, here are the results. Almeria kicked it all off with a 3-1 win over Espanyol. They are loving life at the Powerhorse Stadium. Luis Suarez scored his first goal for the club and Portillo made it 2-2 two two for him. Hossolu also on the score sheet once again for Espanyol. On to Saturday... Cadiz had a really strong win against Mallorca, in form Mallorca. Um, it was an early show with two goals in the first half. They temporarily moved out of the drop zone, although have now fallen back in, but a good win for Sergio's side. In the Catalan derby, it was Girona nil, Barca won. A familiar scoreline for Xavi's side recently. They've won all three games without Lewandowski in the league by one goal to nil. Sevilla then got a bit of a confidence-boosting 3-0 win over hapless Elche. They are still rooted at the bottom, while Sevilla are now above Valencia. So we'll talk plenty about the relegation battle in part two. Ketafe nil, Betis one was another um, tight game, which was decided late on. Borja Iglesias from the spot. Real Valladolid also left it very late on Sunday. That was a 1-0 win over Valencia, who are in a real bit of free fall. We'll talk a lot about that. I know you spoke a lot with Paco in the preview pod on Valencia. Tom, we'll get into that in more detail. Great uh, day for the debutants there for Pucela. Dawe Machis and Kyle Larin. Atleti got a good 1-0 win away at Osasuna. They uh, they did call Saul and uh, and Depaul too. They made the difference. They stayed fourth. Celta uh, got an important win over Athletic. First home win for Carlos Carvalhal. And Iñaki Williams, he missed the game. Uh, shocking news before the game that he was going to miss the game entirely. He had a knee injury or a muscle injury. And his record of 251 consecutive league games, it has fallen. And then to, to end the weekend, which is where we'll kick off, Real Madrid nil, Real Sociedad nil. Tom, the floor is yours. What did you make of that enthralling stalemate at the Bernabeu? 
Yeah, I thought it was a really good game, to be honest. And like you say, nil-nil yeah, on the face of it, not brilliant. But Real Sociedad, I think that's one of, you know, we've seen a few teams go to the Santiago Bernabeu this season and play well. You know, Osasuna, for example, spring to mind. I thought they were excellent in their 1-1 draw earlier on in the season. A few other teams have gone there and got results. But I don't think I've seen a team so assured as, as Real Sociedad tonight. You know, you, you commented in the group chat how... How well they saw it out, you know. They they were under pressure. You'd expect them to be under pressure against Real Madrid at Santiago Bernabéu in the last kind of twenty minutes when they need to win the game. But they were fine, really. And uh, you know, if you look at that team as well, obviously they, they didn't have Mikel Marino, they didn't have David Silva. You know, we can talk. We've talked a lot about Real Sociedad's injury troubles. Or Yarzabal wasn't in top form, really. You know, that maybe that was just struggling to shake off that injury that he's had for a long time. But really, really assured performance, and um, you know. They're third for a reason, and, and I can't see them slipping out of that position if, if they carry on playing the way they are. Mm, we were talking perhaps before the game that if they were able to win here, they might even be in a title conversation. So, do you think that's a step too far for them, or or do you think that they are, you know, they deserve to be at least in the conversation? I think they definitely deserve to be in the conversation. I mean, the issue is Barcelona are just so imperious at the moment. I mean, we'll get on to them, but they just seem to be winning these games, you know, any way how. And another one they'll win, as, as, as we mentioned. You know, they're, they're eight points behind Barcelona. They're, they're three points behind uh, Real Madrid, having played a game more. So probably just a bit of a stretch for them, as much as I'd love to see them go and do it. But at the start of the season, their, their aim would have been to finish in the Champions League spots. And, you know, at the moment, as it stands, they're, I mean, they're eight points clear of Villarreal in fifth. So, so they're, they're, they're really comfortable in third place. And yeah, as we've said, playing some really good football and, you know, they can bring in players who kind of fringe or, or younger players. You know, Pablo Marín came in, in tonight and Ola Sagasti again off the bench and they don't look out of place. And, you know, that's testament not only to the job that Alguacil is doing, but also to the entire infrastructure of the club because, you know, at La Real, they have a way of playing, goes all the way through the academy and all the way up to the first team and, and it's really, really paying off. Yeah, brilliant work from Imanol, the team and all of Fubieta as well as Olave, the, uh, the sporting director there in charge of uh, the whole sporting structure. Uh, in terms of the game itself, you said early in the game that uh, Vinicius was on one, very electrifying um, and in the goal, Alex Ramiro had to make a number of saves, seven in total, including one of those, uh, you know, fantastically acrobatic kind of uh, reaction saves to Vinicius's attempted lob, which it looked like he was bound to go in, but he managed to claw it away for a corner. So, yeah, it was, it was almost a almost a one-on-one duel. Benzema was quite quiet, I thought, in the game, but it was really, certainly in the first half, it was all Vinicius, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, that amazing statistic that he attempted 20 dribbles in this game alone, which is just unbelievable. I mean, I was having a look and Gavi has completed 21 all season. So it's just absolutely unbelievable how, you know, electric Vinicius was. I mean, they weren't all coming off. I think he completed nine of those 20. But yeah, when he's in the mood, there's just there's just nothing like it in terms of watching a player and, you know, for that kind of excitement value. And with Rodrigo on the other side, I mean, I thought he played well again tonight. We obviously scored that brilliant goal um, during the week against Atletico Madrid. But yeah, he's. I think the wins will start to come again for Real Madrid. They've, you know, they they came up against a tough opponent tonight. They've got Valencia next weekend, who I think, you know, are there for the taking at the moment, as, as, as sad as that is. But yeah, I don't think either team did too much wrong, but I think Real Sociedad obviously would probably be a bit happier with the result in the end. Indeed, yeah. It means Barcelona are guaranteed to be winter champions because they have now a five-point lead at the top of the table. And uh, Real Sociedad, the first team to stop Real Madrid from scoring all season, by the way. 
Um, but yeah, I agree. Real Madrid have certainly played a lot better than they have done in previous weeks. They weren't looking so lethargic or even, dare I say, complacent. I thought Danny Ceballos was impressive again, as was Eduardo Camavinga out of position at left-back. Real shout-out to him too. Uh, so yeah, as you say, Real Madrid next face Valencia at home. On to Barcelona, though. They were away in Girona and... Again, it was a 1-0 win. Again, it wasn't always pretty, but they just get the job done. Yeah, I think the, the most encouraging thing about Barcelona at the moment, I've been saying it for a while, is this kind of adaptability that they've got at the moment. And, you know, they've played many different kind of systems within that midfield. They've used Gavi and they've used Pedri in, in different kind of roles, you know, against Atletico Madrid at the Wanda. We were talking about that box midfield that they had where Gavi and Pedri were kind of receiving it in tight spaces and turning. You know, they, they, they've got real adaptability and flexibility. And when Dembele went off and Pedri came on, you know, it's a, it's a very wide kind of dribbly winger on for, you know, a, a technical midfielder in Pedri. But they, they, there was no kind of, you know, it didn't look, it was like a smooth transition, really. And and that's testament, again, to, to, to what Xavi's doing with his team. I think he's got lots of options. Obviously, he's very lucky to have a side that he has. But I think with all the different profiles in there, he's finding solutions during the games. And again, against uh, against Girona here, you know, Alonso was taken off at half-time and Alba came on and obviously Alba was the one who provided the goal. And just that that little kind of, you know, he, he spotted that something could have been improved on the left-hand side and, and he brought Alba on and, and, and that's what happened. Mm. And defensively too, the, the incredible record continues. 14 clean sheets in 18 games. Only Deportivo La Coruña in 1993-94 had a better record after 18 games in a La Liga season. So... Really encouraging defensively, even if perhaps they do look vulnerable sometimes. We, we spoke about this a few weeks ago about how can you explain how they seem to be so porous in the Cup and the Champions League, but they were you know so strong and resolute in the Liga. There's a piece on our Substack that uh, was up on Sunday about this, you know, whether this defensive performance is, is kind of fact or fiction, if it's a bit of a, a bit of a statistical fluke in some ways. And uh, there's a little interesting discussion there of, of, of the numbers and, and what it means compared to, say, the eye test. But I uh, didn't know if you have any more thoughts on that, but... But in particular, I wanted to ask you about Dembele's injury because reports are now that it's, it's about a month off again. Um, he's been brilliant this season. He's been injury-free too. But this is a real blow for the league leaders. And he'll probably miss the first leg of the Europa League playoff against Manchester United too, which, of course, is is a significant loss for Xavi, isn't it? Yeah, really unfortunate. I mean, the thing is about Dembele is he's such a difference maker. He's such a live wire. You know, he can have a bad game. Kind of like Vinicius, what we were saying. He can have an off day, but... When, he, when he's on it, he, he can just pick something out of nowhere. And he did that during the week in the Copa against Real Sociedad, kind of catching Alex Ramiro out at the near post with that with that finish. You know, not many players can can do that on, you know, well, he doesn't really have a weak foot, does he, Husman Dembele? But yeah, he's, he's uh, very, very talented and it will be a miss. But Ferran Torres, it's a chance for him. He's been waiting in the wings really for for most of the season, but he's he's looked all right when he's come on. And yeah, like like we were saying before, Xavi has, you know, he's played Gavi on that left. He's played Pedri on that left. There, there are lots of options, but losing Dembele, you're just losing that kind of mercurial talent that can just appear out of nowhere and win you games. Mm. We'll see how they adapt in the coming games. They're next up away at Betis midweek. So a pretty tricky test there for Barca to maintain their lead. But uh, as it is five points clear at the moment, we'll see how the title race progresses because we'll see if the gap increases or if Real Madrid can, can fight all the way to the end. On to Atleti, they make up the top four. And uh, again, they had to grind it out, but they, they beat Osasuna 1-0 away from home. Two sides with contrasting emotions after the Copa del Rey quarterfinals. Osasuna euphoric after reaching the semifinals. Atleti 
having taken the lead at the Bernabeu, ended up losing and another red card for them in Savic. But an encouraging three points in the league here. 100% because as said out is one of the diff most difficult places to go and we were saying if Osasuna would have won this game they would have been level on points with Atletico Madrid in that race for top four so it was it was massive for Hagobarasati's side they, they, they had a real real chance to close that gap and yeah they, they did well in the first half I think they limited Atletico Madrid to not very much but it was quite an uncharacteristically poor bit of defending for the goal I thought I mean Adidane was kind of dragged out. It was a good run from Morata to, you know, drag Adidane out, but there was a massive gap for, for Saul to run into. So Lucas Toro kind of a clocked that Saul was going through, but didn't follow him. So that's the kind of thing which definitely will annoy Adasate because, you know, he's such a structurally sound manager. But yeah, um, for Atletico Madrid to win, that is a statement in and of itself because it's the kind of game that, you know, they would you know, typically not win. And and for them to have held on a bit of a, you know, a bit of a storm at the end for us as soon as they were really getting close. They held on, they kept their, you know, a slender lead. And yeah, that's going to do a lot for the confidence, I think. Indeed, yeah, they'll be certainly aiming for top four now, but pretty much that's all they've got going for them this season now. Uh, almost two years to the day since Saul last scored for Adleti. Still lots of speculation linking him to Valencia in the final days of the transfer window. Do you think he's a player that could do with a move? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I, I was surprised when when I saw that he'd scored because I didn't really know he was he was still kind of playing and getting into these positions for Atletico Madrid. And then he just kind of popped up with that surging run. He was actually off the screen and then he just kind of roared into vision and scored. Couldn't believe it was Saul. Um, but yeah, and I, I, I think he could do with a move away. Like Valencia, they do have a lot of very talented midfielders at Valencia. Obviously, Nico Gonzalez, Yunus Musa, lots of players that he'll be fighting, you know, for with the competition. But um yeah, it's an interesting one with Saul. Obviously, that Chelsea move came at the wrong time in his career, I think, and he's never been able to quite get it going again back at Atleti. But I do feel like there is, you know, at Atleti at the moment, there's a bit of a better mood around the camp. I feel like there's a bit more of a team spirit. Um, and I think, you know, uh, Griezmann and Correa, I thought they linked up well here at Osasuna and De Paolo playing well again like he was in the World Cup. I think for Atleti, you know, just keep it going. Maybe maybe don't let Saul go just to keep the team together. Interesting. We'll see what happens in the remaining days of the window. Speaking of transfers, you can follow all the arrivals on our transfer thread, which should be busy on transfer deadline day. So make sure you check us out at La Liga Lowdown for all of that. That'll do us for part one. But in part two, we'll talk about all the rest of the games, including some absolute crackers in the bottom half. Stay with us. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome back to La Liga Lowdown. It's our match day 19 recap, halfway through the season. It's flying by, listener. It was a good weekend for the Andalusian sides, all four of the La Liga sides winning. Almería 3-1 over Espanyol. Incredible, their home record since, since the first kind of few weeks of the season there. What is it? Only Barca have got more points at home than them? It's ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah, that's their sixth home win of the season now out of 10. Um, they're, they're, they're really, really strong at the power horse. And I've I mentioned it before, but I, I really like what, what um, Almeria have to offer up front. I think they have a lot of variety. I think Adrian Imbarba was was really, really good in this game. He had four shots, attempted seven dribbles, and he hit the post from, from quite a, a distance as well. And actually, per 90 minutes, he's attempting more shots and dribbles combined than Usman Dembele this season. So he's really, you know, very, very exciting player. Who And he's already scored one of the goals of the season as well a bit earlier on. So they've got him. They've got Luis Suarez in now, who's, you know, really, really busy. He scored his first goal in this game. Uh, three recoveries in the opposition half, three shots, and just lots of busyness, really, that, you know, makes things happen. Uh, I really like Elad Torre as well, a bit of physicality. I think they've got a really nice mix of, of players up front. And with someone like Melero as well, kind of arriving late, I think they're, they're really strong going forward. And yeah, I like I like this performance. I think Espanyol were there for the taking, really, and Almeria just, just swept them away. Yeah, it's a kind of sad irony for Granada fans that uh, Luis Suarez scored against Diego Martinez's side. But uh, on the plus four, Granada fans, they did win again at home. And speaking of home fortresses, the... Uh, Mevolas Carmenes is strong in Segunda. So check out the uh, Segunda show for that, our friends over there. Uh, Cadiz, massive win for them. They're seven unbeaten at home. They're still in the drop zone, but they're certainly in the fight, aren't they? Yeah, when you consider they started the season with five defeats in a row, they hadn't, they didn't score in their first five games. And it was only in the 92nd minute, I think, of their sixth game that they scored their first goal of the season. Yeah, three defeats in their 14 games since. They've beaten Atletico Madrid, they've beaten Valencia, they've held Real Betis and Villarreal. They're, they're, they're really, really good. And, you know, I think uh, Gonzalo Escalante back in La Liga, that, I think that was a good piece of business. He came on for the second half and looked really busy in that midfield. And yeah, I don't think it's anything fancy, really, from Sergio and Cadiz. It's just a really well-organised, well-drilled 4-4-2. 
they've got that midfield with Alcaraz, now Escalante in there. They've got a great goalkeeper in, in Germán Ledesma. And yeah, I really, I really like Cardiff. I really like uh, Theo Bongonda as well in this uh, in this game. He's he's been okay since he arrived at Cardiff, but he had five shots uh, against Mallorca. Some spectacular efforts that nearly found the top corner from distance, and yeah, really confident performance. And I think he could maybe kick on for them. Mm. They'll be hoping so. I think he scored in the winner of Atleti as well. So yeah, I mean, he's a, he scored twenty four goals across two seasons for Genk. So he's 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 clearly a talented player. He can he clearly knows where the back of the net is. So yeah, yes. Indeed, talismanic from him. Sevilla, 3-0 winners. There was as many goals in the first half of the Ramon sanchez Pituan on Saturday as there was in the entirety of Sunday in La Liga. And Yusuf Nizeri was responsible for two of them. He's back scoring in La Liga. He's in form. Sevilla, OK, it's only Elche. We must caveat with that. But it's it's a big win. They didn't have to suffer this time, did they? No, a massive win. I mean, when you consider they hadn't won at home, at the Ramon Sanchez one this season, which is incredible. They've now won three on the bounce there, so so that's big. I mean, again, Cadiz, Getafe, Elche, they should be winning those games, but, you know, it, it, it was big for them just to get back on that horse. But Elche, I mean, they really don't help themselves at all. I mean, they're, they're bottom of the league, obviously, as we've said, 19 games, zero wins. But, you know, they've had seven red cards this season. Four of them now have come away from home for last man fouls in the first half. So against Betis, against Barcelona, against Atletico Madrid and against Sevilla, they've been reduced to 10 men in the first half. So they were unlikely to win those games anyway, the way they're playing. But it doesn't help when you've got to play, you know, 70 plus minutes with 10 men. And the second they went down to 10 here again, um, you know, Sevilla absolutely made them pay. Yeah, it's, it's like starting a game 2-0 down every week, isn't it, before you even kick off? And yeah, it's looking really bleak. I think I don't think anyone gives them a prayer. Now, at least Levante last season, once they got that first win, like, there were signs they were quite competitive. But Elche, they just they look like a bit of a lost cause, in all in all honesty. And I don't blame Machin because he's kind of walked into a, a bit of a, a chaotic situation. But whether they're going to change managers again, I don't know. But Or they just keep him in and, and try and build for, for second division. But... Yeah, I think, uh, well, they're 14 points from safety now. And yeah, with only six on the board in the first half of the season, it's it's not looking good, to say the least. No, it really isn't. I mean, I think just going back to Sevilla, I mean, obviously they were challenging for the title at one point last season. They've not changed their squad much, apart from obviously losing Jules Conde and Diego Carlos. But I think that was a reminder of the quality that Sevilla do have in their squad. You know, Marcos Acuna was unbelievable in that game. I don't think he put a foot wrong and he's a World Cup winner. Yusuf Enneziri, you know, two goals and Bono as well. They've got a very, very good squad. They shouldn't be in the position they are. You know, I don't want to say they're too good to be relegated because they're not. They've been playing awfully this season and they're still in that scrap. But in terms of, you know, on paper, the players that they have, I think that was a bit of a reminder to the rest of the relegation candidates that they have a good team. Mm, indeed. Back-to-back wins with clean sheets at home. Encouraging for them next up, away to Barcelona next weekend. So we'll see how that goes down. But uh, yeah, they've, they've certainly got themselves clear of immediate peril. But as you say, still in a, a big scrap. In fact, between 11th and 18th are separated by just three points. That tells you how tight it is. Basically, the entire bottom half is in the relegation scrap. Um, Betis, they're, they're cross-town rivals. They're chasing Europe, on the other hand. And they needed a late penalty from Borja Iglesias. Uh, he equaled the record for the most penalties scored in a Liga without missing any, 15. Um, was, it a was it a tough call, though, on Domingos Duarte for the handball? 
Yeah, I think it was. Uh, I, I'm not a massive fan of these handballs anyway, and kind of, you know, where you have to decide whether it's a natural position or not, because sometimes I feel it does fail to take into account the speed of the ball, the player's body position before the ball hit him. And I think in this instance, you know, Duarte was kind of, you know, off balance a little bit and he, he lent into it. I thought I thought it was really, really harsh, but that's the way it goes. And, you know, I'm sure Gaddafi will get one of those towards the end of the season to, to make up for it. But yeah, really annoying if you're someone like Villarreal, you know, who are looking for, for Real Betis to drop points. It looked like they were going to. And then, you know, they get gifted something like that towards the end. But yeah, they played well enough to win the game, Real Betis, I think. I mean, I think they dominated the game and had plenty of chances. But yeah, that is a bit of a gift for them. But they had to take it and they did. Yeah, I mean, Duarte ended up having his arm almost behind his back as if to say, look, I'm trying to get out of the way, which of course then makes it even more unnatural. So yeah, I'm not quite sure where you go with the subjective interpretation of, of handball these days. But as you say, important for Betis. They uh, get back on the horse with a win there. They're only three points behind Aleti in fourth and they have that game in hand, uh, although it is Barca. So we'll see. We'll see. As for Hitafe, need to talk about them. It's it's a really poor run. Kika Sanchez Flores is in real peril if you believe the uh, the vocal sounds from the stands at the Colosim Alfonso Perez. More calls for Kike Vetea. It seems as though his job is safe, though, because the soundings coming out in the media are that they don't want to make a change. They don't want to sack him yet. But when you look at, I mean, the crazy start that I saw this weekend. Last season, of course, they had a dreadful start. He came in, revitalised them, saved them. In fact, this season now, they've got a point less than they had at the halfway stage of last season. And that, of course, had all those, you know, 10, 11 games under Michel. So that just shows you how bad they've been this year. And it almost, it, it, a bit like the Lopetegui thing at Sevilla, you feel like it's just inevitable now that it's so stale. And the squad is a lot better on paper. They've invested a bit, but... They're not getting the returns for it. And, and whether, whether they need a coaching change to, to generate some new kind of impetus, I don't know. But it's it's looking bleak for Getafe. They are now 19th as well. Yeah, I think that's the issue with Getafe is like the kind of excitement before the season started with, with some of the signings that were coming in. And it, it really did look like they were building a, a nice team. Put in, you know, Luis Mia coming in in particular, I thought was a really good piece of business. You know, but yeah, Gonzalo Villar back from Roma, another good player. Just obviously, he's he's only been there for a while, not been able to make the impact yet. But yeah, they're in that scrap, and at the Coliseum it is 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 you know typically their fortress. They've not been fantastic there this season, and another one slipped away from them here. So it's more of a confidence thing at the moment. I think they need a win. I think they need Enizunal to pull one out of a bag again, as he's done quite recently, and and you know just just fire them to a kind of narrow one nil win just to get them back on that on that winning trail. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, looking tough for them. We'll see how they kick on in the next couple of weeks. Speaking of teams in a real bad run and kind of free fall, we have to mention Valencia. I'm sorry to say, I mean, someone check on Paco Pollitt because, <laughs> oh my word, away at Valladolid, who hadn't scored in five games. They'd lost the last five without scoring. What happens? They score in the 91st minute to beat Valencia. I mean... Yeah, first goal in six games. There's a golden three points for Pacheta because he was kind of in the, the hot seat in terms of the sack race. But this kind of eases the pressure on them a little bit. New signings combining. You said in the group chat when they were kind of rumoured that they would be fantastic additions and already you've been proven right, Tom. Darwin Machi started the game. Kyle Larin came on and they linked up in the, the last, almost the last play of the game with a cross from the left-hand side and a really acrobatically well-adjusted finish from Kyle Larin. To, uh, to become the first Canadian to score since, I think, 2005 in our league. I think Ewan McTeer tweeted that, our old friend. Uh, so, yeah, good for them. Um, 
Valencia in I think Rory said Voro was trending in Spain, so that's never a good sign, <laughs> is it? You know Valencia in trouble when Voro's coming to the rescue. Yeah, that did make me laugh, actually. I mean, how many times has Voro been the Valencia kind of uh, second coach? It's quite funny. But yeah, Kyle Larry, I mean, the reason I said he was a good signing is just because you can see through his goals record that he knows where the back of the net is. And it doesn't matter the level that he's doing it at, but 19 goals of a shit task two seasons ago. He's clearly a talented striker. And, and Valladolid, they have been missing something this season. They had Sergio Leon go on that bit of a crazy run where I think he scored five goals in the space of kind of seven games. Apart from that, they've not had that clinical striker. Sean Weissman has been clinical in the past, but it's just not quite worked for him. So I think it was a good piece of business just to get somebody in there who knows where the back of the net is. And obviously it's only his first game. You know, he might, he might struggle for the rest of the season, but it was it was a really good 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 finish from Kyle Larry. And as you said, he had to really adjust and he, and he finished really well. Mm. And it's it's been a pretty miserable month for Valencia, losing in the Supercopa on penalties after forcing Madrid all the way in uh, extra time. Then then they go out of the Copa at home and Mistaya in front of their fans to Athletic Club, who haven't been able to score themselves, but they scored three at Mistaya. And then this latest result, it leaves them again in a perilous position. We've said a lot of the bottom half are in this battle, but Valencia now seem to be going the other way, while other teams, the likes of Cadiz, Sevilla, they're, they're kind of finding form and, and points. But Valencia are kind of very much on the downward trajectory. Gattuso, he, he said that it's up to the board to make the decision. Again, I don't think there's any immediate threat to his job from within. But yeah, this kind of form is, is not healthy at all. And, and then next game is a trip to the Bernabeu. So yeah, what, what is your take on Valencia? I know you've spoken a lot with Paco about this, but what are your thoughts? Yeah, not looking great. I mean, I mean, from a neutral, I mean, I think you said it a couple of weeks ago, but I, I, I'm inclined to agree with you. I do enjoy watching Valencia play. I think they've got a lot of exciting players. And, you know, Samuel Lino, for example, is just a really, really nice player to watch. Yunus Musa, Edison Cavani. You know, I think they, they again, kind of like Sevilla, I think they're, they're, they are too good on paper to be in, in this battle, but but they are in it. Um, and yeah, but, but maybe there's something a bit stale about Gattuso's style of play at the moment. We know he's a possession-based manager. We know he's done wonders, you know, to kind of oversee this transition from borderless ball to, to Gattuso's kind of more possession-heavy style. But yeah, um, if I'm Valencia, I don't think they want to be sacking a manager now again. I think you have to stick with Gattuso, but it, yeah, it's, it's not a fantastic situation at the moment. And yeah, we'll be hoping that they can after this Real Madrid game, unless they can pull off something special, they can, yeah, go on a bit of a run and pick up some points at Mistaya. Mm, yeah, a, a much more pleasing style on the eye, but it's it's not as effective because they have fewer points than they had at this stage last season under Pepe Bordalas. Final game to talk about from the weekend is uh, another kind of similar result, really. Athletic, in a bit of a stodgy run of form, they've made the Copa semi-finals, we must stress that, for four consecutive seasons. They're the only team that have done that since the format changed, so credit to them for that. But in the league, Five games since the World Cup, two points, one goal. It's it's crazy when you think how free scoring and brilliant they were in the first eight games. Since then, they've they've been kind of relegation form, haven't they? Yeah, I mean Iago Aspas just continues to defy the odds. Uh, a great finish again. He, he's so good at just kind of crossing the goalkeeper and putting the ball like so far into the corner that they just can't possibly reach it. Did that again and. Again, you compare that to Athletic Club in this game. I mean, Berenguer had a couple of chances. I think he hit the hit the woodwork twice. Just that difference in kind of clinicalness and Celta Vigo, big result for them. But Athletic Club, yeah, they're, they're 
away from San Mamés, I think they need to at the start of the season they were they were winning four. I think they won two or three games by four goals to nil away from home. It's it's been a while since they've done that. So yeah, I, I trust Ernesto Valverde in, in 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 fixing this. I think one way that he could fix it is is by you know relying on Ike Muniain a bit more. He did start this game, but you know the last couple of weeks he hasn't been playing, and you can see the difference when he does. But yeah, they they you know they need a bit of a shake up, and I think. You know, Oyen Sanset as well hasn't been as fantastic as he has been at the start of the season. So I think there are a few interesting problems for Valverde, but he's one of the most experienced managers in La Liga. And I think he will sort it. Whether he'll sort it quicker enough for Athletic Club to maintain this top four charge, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Mm. Quick word on Iñaki and his record coming to an end, 251 games. Very sad. Very, very sad. I mean, I was kind of thinking, why can't you just sit on the bench just to keep it going? But uh, the, last, the last game he missed in La Liga was April 2016. So at that point, Barack Obama was still president and Real Madrid only had 10 European Cups. Just incredible, isn't it? But yeah, really, really sad. I mean, we'll have to try and find the next best player. I'm sure it won't be anywhere near 250, but yeah, we'll see who that is. <laughs> Indeed. Well, just to wrap it up then, uh, the Copa del Rey draw takes place on Monday. Tom, which pairings would you like to see for the semi-finals? Yeah, I think I'd like to see Osasuna and Athletic Club play each other just to see one of those teams in the final. Um, you know, particularly Osasuna, I think it'd be absolutely unbelievable if they could reach that that final, and it would be against one of Barcelona and Real Madrid if that was the way the draw fell. Yeah, I, th I think whichever way it goes, we're, we're treated to two really tasty looking ties. So I don't think we can really lose in this situation. Mm, I'd like to see a Clasico semi-final, two more Clasicos before, and then of course we have the other league one too. Well, that's all we have time for this weekend. Um, stay tuned to our Twitter feed for all the latest action. And, of course, the transfer window rounding up. And as always, head to our Substack, lllonline.substack.com for fresh content every day, absolutely free of charge. Thank you very much for your insights, as always, Tom. Thanks very much for having me up. Pleasure, as always. And thank you for listening. And we'll speak to you again in midweek. Adios. Pedri para Gaby, se revuelve Gaby, la deja para Anso, Anso para Jordi Alba, Jordi Alba al centro, gol, 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 Pedri gol, marca Pedri, Girona 0, Barça 1, Pedri. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. 
Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.